I realized I just clicked live. That's absolutely beautiful. Coming to you live over YouTube. It is the Sons of Honarchy podcast with your host, Steve-O. That's at Drunk Shy Sox fan on Twitter. We are Hot Take Tommy. R.I.P. The better oh. half of the show. The better half of the show is not with us this week, but we are joined by an even better half. The one, the only, Alex Rude. That's Rude 8 on Twitter. So make sure you guys rate, subscribe, review to the Sons of Honarchy podcast. Um, we are your favorite four-star White Sox podcast. So, so happy to be back over the airwaves this week. Alex, how you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Glad the Sox survived today. Glad yeah. they survived. How are you? I'm, hey, I'm doing okay. You know, as you can see, my, my big thing with Hasbula, you know, being in my background, he's still here. The White Sox have a losing record, which is disappointing as shit, but it is what it is. The White Sox mm-hmm. are going to get through it. And we're going to talk about that. So, you know, before I talk, you know, I, I, I don't want to be rude, Alex, like, like you Mr. Rude here. But um, one, one thing that we always do at, uh, as the Sons of Honarchy podcast, every time we have a guest for the first time, and this is your first time being on the really? Sons of Honarchy podcast, despite all of your times berating me in the comment section or um, giving your five stars. Did you guys reviews. do this with Gabe when he was on the pod as well? Oh, there you go. (laughs) There are no upcoming shows that are scheduled with Gabe. Um, But no, one thing that we always do is we ask people about their White Sox stories. So, Alex, I don't even know this about you yet. How did you become a Chicago White Sox baseball club fan? Well, back in the 70s, my dad decided he would rebel against his... My grandpa, who is a huge Whites, uh, huge Cubs fan, and just decided to become a big White Sox fan to stick it to him for some reason. And then he raised my entire family to be Sox fans. And the rest is history, right? Yeah, it's pretty simple as that. So I'm, I'm, I'm that not... my youngest brother did the exact same thing to him as a Cubs fan. Oh, just... there you go. There you go. Um, well, here's the thing. It, and one thing that we talk about on this podcast a lot is, is what 2005 means to us or what it doesn't mean to us. You're even younger than Tommy and I. Not by much, but you're a little bit younger. Like a year. <laughs> yeah. What does 2005 mean to you if it means anything at all? It, it was great experience in the childhood being like nine years old watching that happen. But, like, as time goes on, it's starting to sour just because, like, how much people obsessed on 05. It's starting to become, like, 85 Bears territory with me. A thousand percent. I absolutely agree with you. We really hope this window adds another championship so we can stop fucking talking about 05. Agreed. (laughs) A thousand percent. That we, We need something very quickly that's more than just a division championship or a blackout game where the White Sox look fantastic and, and clinch a playoff berth or, you know, the fact that they haven't even won a series, uh, a playoff series since 2005, you know, it, it says something. So, yeah, yeah. Well, right now, Alex, we're looking at the White Sox and we are seeing a team that is struggling to say the mm-hmm. least, right? A team that is underperforming, a team that just can't quite get a grip on certain things, particularly hitting. Where do you point the finger first, Alex, for how this season has gone so far? 
Okay, there's two parts to this. First, it's the roster construction and how this past offseason went. So that fairly falls on Rick Hahn to sit on your ass and only sign relievers and utility players when there was a need for a left-handed impact bat these past couple of years just and not do it. And then secondly, it seems like Frank Medicino, whatever he's doing, something needs to change. Like all these hitters are underperforming. You can't really put that on La Russa. It's kind of got to fall on what is the hitting coach teaching these guys or talking to these guys about that. Nearly everyone in the lineup, one through nine, with the exception of like Andrew Vaughn and Luis Robert, are underperforming. And you can even make an argument with all of Robert's talents that he's underperforming too. Right, right, 100%. So if you are Rick Hahn or if you're Kenny Williams or you're somebody in the front office, do you shake it up so much and cut ties with Frank Menachino in the middle of the year or do you just try yeah. to ride this out? Well, lucky you say that. <laughs> uh, lucky you, funny you say that with the Phillies firing Joe Girardi. They happen to have the best hitting coach in the major leagues on their staff. So if I was Rick Hahn, I'd be called Kevin Long. I would have called him on Friday and tried to offer whatever money he wanted to come over to Chicago. But other than that, if I was Rick Hahn, the best like trade target that probably makes the most sense for this team is probably Andrew Benatendi or Josh Bell. So I'd be trying my best to partner one of those, a left-handed bat that can kill right-handed pitching and just slide right into your lineup. Josh Bell in particular, because you can now no longer need Gavin Sheets because the one fact he hits with his left hand is the only reason he's on the roster. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I know you love Gavin Sheets. He's he's like your favorite, Alex. I know you uh, you really want to keep him, keep him around and, you know, his defensive prowess and, and ability to hit the ball. Um, why teams shift against him is still beyond me because the amount of opposite field hits that he's had this year so far is really funny to me. Yeah. I mean, he's trying something. It's the only thing he can do. Maybe it's just like out of pity. Maybe give him a chance to see like how shitty he is. Right. Right. So you would go for So if you're in the front office, you say, Hey, Josh Bell or Andrew Benintendi. These these are the main targets. That's what you would target yeah. right now. Even with their record right now, you think the White Sox say, let me give you a hypothetical. They hit the trade deadline around the trade deadline. They're they're at a 500 record. You think there's still buyers at the deadline? A hundred percent because if Rick Hahn doesn't buy and get this team to the playoffs, he's out of a job. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple as that. Like there's no way he can maintain his job if they miss the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure Rick knows that and Jerry and all the powers that be at Eloy versus Wall and the rest of the ownership group. <laughs> Rick Hahn knows that if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's fired. Yeah, well, that's Northbrook Bob's son, right? Is that <laughs> Maybe. It's basically confirmed. Um, so, actually, I love that Kerry brought this up already. And, you know, I, I just I'm going to dive right into it. I yeah. wanted to end on talking about this, but we're just going to hop right into it. Less than eight minutes into the podcast. <laughs> Carrie brought up here in the comments section on YouTube, which I love it. Thank you for those of us that those of you that join us on YouTube and add to the comments section because I love to bring these comments up mid-episode. The Braves bought at the deadline last year, and we, the White Sox right now, are under 500. They, after 50 games, and I think actually at the uh, at the all-star break, they were under 500. 
um, last year. Uh, but after 50 games, the Braves were 24 and 26. 2019 Nationals after 50 games, 19 and 31. Do you see any similarities between these two World Series winners in 162 game seasons? Obviously, the Dodgers won in 2020 on that shortened season, the the, the Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. World Series, as as some people say. Um, but 2019, 2021, the last yeah. two full length seasons we had were we had World Series champions that yeah. you know but started very slow and ended up at the top. I mean, I do think you- a lot of people when they try to like push back to that think, oh, these are just exceptions to the rule. But if you look at like the past decade or so, like looking through every World Series, like ex- for the exception of 2018, at least one of the teams that were there were struggling. Like I'm looking at the 2014 Kansas City Royals who were 28 and 31, literally on June 5th. 2014 and they still made the world series so like this how you perform in the big in may in the beginning of june has zero yes yes carry uh has zero correlation with how you do in october so to think that they should be selling or should give up on the season at this point history has so many different data points that that's just a stupid idea to do but with last year's team, with the Braves, they bought, they added pieces that they thought would help their roster, and they did. Well, they had the challenge of replacing an MVP face a baseball player in Cunha. Luckily, the Sox don't even have to do that much. 2019 Nats had Juan Soto be Juan Soto. So I think it kind of became comparable if Luis Robert just kicks it into another gear and he's Luis Robert just like the Nets had Juan Soto be Juan Soto. Yeah, for 100%. I mean, the White Sox need that that breakout guy. They need somebody mm-hmm. that's just going to absolutely rip the cover off the ball and, and be absolutely fantastic. Uh, hello to Sean Jankowski, who hey, Sean. Joined, joined us in the chat. Good to see him in here. Um, do you think – so when we talk about the White Sox then adding a piece that is going to help them out, that's going to help them succeed, mm-hmm. um, and, and you mentioned those two guys, what do the White Sox – have in order to give up to try and add a piece that's going to well they're both rentals so they'll be low cost regardless so even when the socks have like a shitty farm system like they do they can easily move like a yogurt sanchez or somebody like that that probably doesn't have much future value but at that point the royals and the nats are just going to be trying to get whatever they can get back for sure. Well, you ask some people, and they say Yolbert Sanchez has present value. Alex, what are your <laughs> responses to that one? Uh, let's let's talk when he can have a higher OPS than Blake Rutherford in Charlotte. <laughs> Great point. Great point. And I know he's going to add a little bit more defensive value than Blake Rutherford did, but at the same time, he's not. Yeah. He's not ripping the cover off the ball by. He's not really time. making the case for himself in Charlotte when he has the eighth highest OPS on the team. Correct. Correct. I mean, he, he is right now at best, at best, an average triple A hitter and an mm-hmm. average triple A hitter is not going to do the job, you know, yeah. uh, on this ball club in, in regard to patching up a hole that we have in, at second base. Oh, and Sean actually brings up another point that they could add just another saying the Super Bowl pen to their job today. Just mm-hmm. adding another left-handed uh, reliever to that bullpen, just so you don't have to trot out Bennett Sousa is your only other left-handed option in the bullpen. Because I feel like Gavin Sheets, he's just there because of his left hand. Well, hey, 
Don't bitches love Sousa, though? They love Sousa, not Sousa. They hate good Sousa. Point. Very good point. Very good point. But well, Jordan does love Sousa, so maybe bitches do love Sousa. Damn. Shout out to Jordan <laughs> Miller, who is not with us at the moment. But um, here's the deal. Thoughts on the starting rotation so far this year? Because I know one thing that White Sox fans really wanted to see, especially with the demise of Dallas Keuchel, which was so – here's the thing. It was so evitable. Like mm-hmm. I, anybody – the writing was on the wall last year. And anybody who didn't see this coming from Dallas Keuchel was was, was foolish, right? So you had a rotation that had inju- an injury issue to start the year with Lance Lynn. And we were talking about, hey – they need to go add a piece right here, right now. What are your thoughts? And, and Sean brings this up too in the chat here that Vince Velasquez, your guy, he might be DFA'd. Uh, I actually yeah. don't think Vince is going to be DFA'd soon. Yeah. I, I think he could be serviceable as the long reliever in the bullpen that they don't have. Someone that can eat like three, four innings of a blowout, which is actually something that's pretty pretty like useful. So I think they'll keep him and rather just like option, like a Bennett Sousa, hopefully, or we'll see because they already moved Vince to the bullpen. So I don't think he's going to be an automatic TFA when Lynn comes back. Right. So when Lynn comes back, do you think this rotation is good enough to get through the rest of the year and, uh, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, be playoff, you know, be yeah. playoff good. The thing is, like, I don't think there's going to be many like better alternatives available at the deadline. So you just got to stick with what you got for now, at least. My only concern is like Giolito's underlying numbers are kind of scary. And I was talking with a friend of the show, Sean Anderson, yes. about it. And it is like a lot of his current underlying numbers are very similar to his 2018 numbers. So we just got to hope and pray that Lucas Giolito isn't just like being very lucky and going to get hit around soon. But other than that, Cesar Kopech has been great. Cueto has been serviceable. We'll see what Lance Lynn looks like when he comes back because that's probably going to be the determinant of whether they have it to that line. Because if you have four good starters, there's no need for another one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Adam Engel has been a hot topic as of recent. Uh, on the White Sox Twitter waves, Alex. A lot of people, including friend of the podcast, Herb Lawrence, is calling for Adam Engel to get more playing time. So once Aloy gets healthy, which is we're right on the precipice of this, mm-hmm. how do you construct a lineup with Engel, Aloy, Pollock, Andrew Vaughn, and obviously Luis Robert? Uh First one is easy. I love Andrew Vaughn, but his feeling is doo-doo, so just move him to the DH. And then from there, you can just look at platoon, basically, angle, because his numbers versus right-handers are not good, even this year. He's at about, like, an 80 WRC plus. And then whoever, you just rotate out whoever needs a break between uh, Pollock or Eloy, because even Pollock, too, has been crushing left-handed pitching with a 140 WRC plus, so that makes it tough. So it really, luckily, it's not my job. It's the front office and Tony's job to figure out how to, like, best maneuver this, because, like, Angle, I feel like he's definitely good in small bursts, but he'll get overexposed if he starts playing every day. 
No, for sure, for sure. And I, I feel the same way about even though he's had a he had a great series these past three games, I feel the Berger. same exact way about Jake Berger. You know, Jake Berger's yeah, not a guy. That is also a very good point, Sean. The yeah. defensive replacement, just keep using him as that. Yeah, Angle is definitely that defensive replacement guy. Um, and, you know, yeah, two to three times a week as a starter, that's, that's fine by me. And I feel the same way about Jake Berger. You know, an excellent mm-hmm. series against Tampa Bay. Um, he had, he hit pretty well against Boston as well, but my, my big thing with Jake Berger is you you start playing him. If you play him 150 games a year, you're going to see a lot of the flaws, especially when it comes to out in the field. I mean, the yeah. dude is immobile at third. So I, I know normal. He, he, he had a, wait, he did have a great series. He had a great Saturday and Sunday because good point. He, he went over four on Friday and then one for nine in Toronto. So entering Saturday, he was like one for 13. Yeah, and no. One for six in the Cubs game that everybody was like going crazy about it, like his walk off hit, including yep. an error that cost them the lead. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's nice to see him, you know, have these breakout moments and be clutch, but, and, 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 and clutch is kind of the, the way to describe him. You know, but mm-hmm. then again, clutch is not always. It's not really a sustainable statistic. It's 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 a lot of Very it is, is luck and chance. Yeah, uh, he's hitting two hundred if you include today's game over the past week, five for twenty-five. Not fantastic. Yeah. So the the Jake Berger series is really limited to uh, Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Yeah. Um, so. But you know there have been a lot of underperforming guys and a lot of guys we expected to not be awesome or at least I didn't expect to be awesome at least so Leary Garcia, Gavin Sheets, Josh Harrison, Reese McGuire. I mean, but then you've also got veterans on this team that yeah. that aren't pulling their weight with Yaz and Pollock. Mancada's um, had the injury problems and Aloy is you know obviously been injured as well and hasn't had a chance to really show what he's worth so who do you think of all these guys is going to wake up the most the most of that just because i don't trust this organization to not play yes mancada clearly hurt like they're currently doing i'm gonna go off the wall josh harrison just because the past couple years he's been solid and, like, if you look at, like, his underlying numbers this year, like, on hard-hit balls, like, he's hitting under 300. And this is, like, the MLB average for a hard-hit ball in the 400s. So, like, he's had a lot of bad luck. The average exit velos are going up. So maybe he can't turn it around. Like, there's a track record there the past couple of years. So I like that like, off-the-wall answer. I was not expecting that one at all. So, yeah, because, like – Eloy Pollock, Yaz, and Mankata, like, I'm not sure how healthy they are. But if they're healthy, like, they can turn it around. But For sure. And there's a there's a, a couple of those guys I'm going to ask more questions about in a second. But, you know, I, I want to bring it back uh, to our conversation about pointing the finger. And you brought up Rick Hahn in the front office and their lineup construction and, and how the money was spent. The money was spent, but was it spent wisely? And I think we can – you know, mm-hmm. obviously say the answer to that is no. But then we look at, you, you mentioned Frank Menachino, obviously, being 
highly responsible for whatever the hell is going on in regard to this team's lack of offensive production. Now, Sean Jankowski, our guy here in the chat, said, uh, thought the bench today was more lively, a lot more enthusiasm today. Yeah, and, and Tony coming off a win, like for sure, for sure. Now, Tony Larusse, I I know you don't want to pay, point the finger at Tony too much. Yeah, but big managers don't matter, guy. You're <laughs> a big managers don't matter guy. Can you explain that one a little bit to me? Because like, I I look at Tony and I don't know if, if he's the right. I just guy think the team. front office has a lot more like in play on like how a team performs than the manager, like the roster, like the manager can't really do much of what he's given. Like if Tony LaRussa had guys like um, who all was free agents, like the Kyle Schwarber instead of Gavin Sheets, I, I feel like the team would be a lot better. Like for sure. The GM has to get good players and not rely on crap. No, for sure. For sure. Or, or in the hopes, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just – in a championship window, yeah. you can't just hope a guy is going to have a breakout year. Yeah, and like or, Dan Sombrowski, like he was replying to someone who was complaining about the White Sox lineups, like line of construction, like the difference it makes over 162, like even from the best possible to like a LaRusso lineup is only a difference of a couple runs. So like he, even though lineups barely have an effect, like over the long term, even though like the fans just love harping on the lineups. For sure, for sure. So, I and I, I got to say this. I, I'm with you, Alex. I really do think that, you know, managers do not have that much of an impact. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I I look at the decisions that Tony La Russa has made throughout the year, and I can just point even in, in recent yeah. memory to today, right? Lucas Giolito struggling in the fifth. He barely gets out of it. He mm-hmm. gets a double play ball. Roll, you know, rolls into a nice double play, gets himself out of the inning, but it, it was there. It, the, the, all the telltale yeah. signs were there. Hey, Lucas is losing it on the mound a little bit. Let's get somebody warmed up in the pen. Let's have yeah. somebody ready as Part soon of that as we see. Also, see has to be on Ethan, too. Like, that's yeah. not solely Tony because Ethan has to tell him, like, hey, Lucas is struggling. We should probably get someone up. Like, it's a group effort. Like, I feel like Tony just goes off what Ethan tells him because like, yeah. he's not the most sentient person in the dugout. So, like, I feel like there's an extra emphasis with this coaching staff. Like, they got to be proactive with Tony so he does make those decisions correctly. For sure. For sure. And, I mean, a lot of the conversation around the Larusa hiring last year was – you know, oh, the, he's going to lose the clubhouse so quickly. Mm-hmm. He's such an old mind, all of this, right? Especially around the Irmi Mercedes situations. Do you think that Tony, do you think that rhetoric is, is alive at all right now within the clubhouse? Not at like, all. I, I feel like the players have loved him. And like, I wasn't too necessarily concerned about that because. For as much shit as we all love to give Chuck Carvine, he did an excellent podcast with Dave Stewart, like right after Tony was hired, and Dave just kept harping on Tony stays out of it. He lets the players create their own clubhouse culture. So the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cardinal way, like the players that set that culture, that I feel like that's what everybody associated Tony with. But Ricky did do a good job in like building up a good culture with the Sox during his tenure. So like there wasn't much for like Tony to come in and possibly ruin because the culture was already really strong and he stays out of it. 
So fair. That's uh, I'll I'll take that as an answer for sure. Uh, Damn right, Billy, and I enjoyed it. Apparently, our our guy Billy Wires is saying that um, you possibly touched his genitalia. Can confirm. All right. <laughs> oh, the home run chain. Should we bring the home run chain back? Oh, Alex, that's what Sean's recommending. Sure. Why not? Swagger. Why not? Was it Why was not? it in Toronto? Toronto had the jacket? Is yeah, Toronto has the jacket. The Phillies have like a sombrero. I think one – I forgot which team does. They have like a cowboy hat. Forgot. Because I some- oh, last year the Padres ripped off the home run chain and it annoyed the hell out of me. Of course, of course. Just, you know, they ripped Tatis off of us, so why not, you know, take another, you know, thing from this this struggling organization? <laughs> we love you too, Billy. All right. So, as I said before, we've yeah, got – Yeah, the Marlins have a football helmet. They have a walk-off football helmet. That is hilarious. I love seeing so that yesterday. Weird. <laughs> oh, gee. They're a, they're a fun team to watch. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. Yeah, um, the Baltimore Orioles actually are a lot of fun to watch this year. They they I, remind me a lot of the 2019 White Sox for sure, absolutely. And they've got a couple of those pieces. I've mentioned this before. Literally, they could have been, they could have been a really good. They spot. got a big blow this weekend with Grayson Rodriguez tearing his lead and going to be out until September. Yeah, the number one a, pitching prospect in baseball right. is going to be that's a, a tough situation for them. Um, I, I said it in the offseason. They would have been a great team to give Correa a long-term they contract. Tried. They tried. Apparently, Man. they offered him 10-350, and Correa said no. Oh, uh, shit. Nobody wants to be in Baltimore, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't blame them, even though the Twin Cities aren't much better. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I got a few veterans that I wanted to ask you about, and sure. a couple of them may be a sore, sore subject, but I'm going to do it anyway. First one's Yasmani Grandal. Um, fans are starting to kind of freak out about mm-hmm. Yasmani Grandal and his production. And I I would say it might be rightfully so. Um, do you think they have the right to freak out? And, and if he's going to turn it around, what does he need to do? I mean, fans always have the right to freak out. That's just part of being a fan. And, like, it, it's starting to become, like, justified. Like, he, his walking is down compared to last year, but... It's more at his career numbers, but even this year, he's still providing value as being like a lot better on the defensive end, even though he had like an error at first play at first base today. His framing numbers are like back to normal. He's hitting the ball hard, so it gives me some hope that he can like figure it out, but it's just confusing. Like, he was so good, and what happened over the course of an offseason to make him. Go from like good to shit. Right. Like usually with like age, you just see like a slower decline instead of just like falling off a cliff like he had. So it's like part of me makes me feel like he's, he's still hurt and not healthy. And classic White Sox are just having him play through it instead of putting him on the IL. So that's just exaggerating all the problems. But we have years of data that shows that he's good, so I do have faith he'll turn it around and Jordan Lozowski will be back to dunking on people. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and and I need that. Oh, right. Yeah, like, still, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I need that because like 
Yasmani Grandal, you know, he got off to that slow, extremely slow start last year too. People were freaking mm-hmm. out, and I said, "All right, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Everything's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. He's gonna figure it out." And he absolutely did. And like you said, I mean, I don't think it's age. He's not that. He's not at that point in his career where a yeah. sudden drop off is regular. And first off, sudden drop offs are are rare to begin mm-hmm. with, but. Especially after the best like performance of his career, like the best span of his career the year before. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's one thing when you see a drop off in a career like Nelson Cruz, for example, mm-hmm. right? You're seeing a 40, how old is he? 41 now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 41 year old guy, right? Yaz is 34? 33. 33 still. So mm-hmm. it, that would just be absolutely absurd. And I'm worried about the injury too. And I know we're pressing guys because we're kind of in a pinch lineup-wise. Yeah. But, man, we're, we're going to need Yaz. We're going to need a healthy Aloy. We're going to need a healthy Yoan. Come down this stretch of, of must-win games, especially once you get into August and September when the schedule lightens up. Big yeah, time. the schedule gets a lot easier. That's part of why I'm not, like, worried for the team overall, just because, like, I made this graphic for Sean Anderson just, like, mm-hmm. You compare the White Sox and Twins post All Star game schedule. The Twins had 27 games against potential playoff teams, and that was at the time teams projected to win like 89 or more games. Sox have seven, and they have like 20 games against like Baltimore and like the Dreads of the league, and that's not even counting like Detroit and Kansas City, and they have 19 of those. So like right. the schedule like lightens up, and if they stay within like five to seven games at the all-star break, they'll still win the division by five to 10 games. For sure. For sure. So let me say this, the White Sox last time I checked, it may have changed in the last uh, 20 hours. But when I went to bed last night at one in the morning, <laughs> the White Sox were minus one Oh five to win the AL central. Yeah. The odds makers throw down. Like this week when the White Sox were getting swept by Toronto, the Twins blew their chance to like run it up. They lost four or five to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Like you can't expect like a team to like not be able to win all their games and run up the division lead against bombs and just expect them to keep on this performance against all the good teams. So so as a semi betting guy, should I look at that minus one oh five and say those are great odds, just throw down on it? I wait until after the Dodgers series because you might even get better numbers unless the Sox just come out and like beat the Dodgers. But yeah, I, I'd still bet on the Sox to win the division. I'm not a believer in the Twins at all. If anything, I'm more worried about Cleveland if their offense can pick it up and they still have Shane Bieber, who's literally a historic pitcher on the road. I was reading Bob Nightingale's uh, column today. Love Bob. Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, 34 straight road games. He's let let up less than three runs. 34 straight road games. He's given mm-hmm. up three runs or less. Yeah. So it's an MLB record. So that guy is just literally one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball, arguably one of the best in the AL time after time. So, like, if Shane Bieber stays healthy, I'm always going to be concerned about Cleveland. That's one of the, doesn't have a Shane Bieber, so that's one of the most insane stats I've heard. Yeah, that's a wild. That he is very, very good. That's like that's elite. That is absolutely mm-hmm. elite. Now, do the I gotta ask you this question now that you bring up Bieber. 
Do the White Sox have an ace? I have the, they have an ace in the making in Michael Kopech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that I can say that Gilito's a no-doubt ace. Like I said, with those underlying concerns, Cease is getting there. Let's see if Cease can keep it up. But Kopech, man, he just – even when he's struggling, he's still putting out in like an under-two ERA, and you can argue that he's been struggling all year. But mm-hmm. that dude is special. Yeah. I mean, that fastball just has so much movement. I mean, he doesn't need to throw it at 100 miles an hour plus anymore. Mm-hmm. He can sit yeah. at 97 and still just be absolutely nasty with it. And then when he learns to control the off speed, he's yeah. just going to be he's absolutely He's going to take another step. Like, yeah. It's I mean, gonna he's going to be disgusting. He's going to be on the same – he's going to be in that elite conversation and because yeah. he's already creeping toward that, which is crazy. What do you think about Dylan Cease's development this year? Obviously, he started off the year really, really strong. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this, against a lot of meh offensive opponents. Now he goes up against the Yankees and gets shelled, right? And he's always been known as that guy to kind of give up the long ball. So with Cease, where, where do you see his development? I know you said that the White Sox have an ace in the making in Kopech, but not so much with Cease. Would you say that? I just think that Kopech is going to be better than Cease, but that's nothing a slight against Cease or anything. But like, even I never even like realized that about Cease, about the bombs. But like, he's like his underlying numbers. He's just been striking dudes out left and right. So even when he gets shelled, he still gives like five, six strikeouts. So like, that's a lot to work with. You can control the long ball with Cease. Even that hasn't been too much of an issue this year. Like, he's given up home runs in only three starts. That's great. And considering, you know, if, if he's keeping the home run numbers down, even after that Yankees game where mm-hmm. he did get shelled, yeah. that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good thing to He gave to up realize. 13 of his 22 earned runs in the season in two starts against Boston and, and New York. Like those go. were like the only two times he's like faced a hot offense, which is kind of concerning. Right, right. Yeah. And and I think that's something to realize with the White Sox too. I love that you But he up. does get the Dodgers this week. And if he can shut down that lineup, all concerns. Right. Gone. No worries about that. For sure, for sure. Definitely alleviate some of some of those worries. And I love that you say that about um about facing hot teams because mm-hmm. I think that's one thing too that I think our fan base isn't realizing a lot is that we are catching teams at the worst times. Yeah. I mean, we caught the angels when they were hot and right now they're so far back in the AL West. I think it's 11 straight. They've lost now. So bad. That's crazy. I know like trout is on the coldest streak of his life right now. Yeah. Over 26. Insane. I can't believe that number got bigger today. Um, so we caught the Angels when they were really good at home. And we caught the Red Sox and we split. at both the best time and the worst time. So exactly. That's right. And we had to face the Yankees at home when they had won 17 of 19. And, and then, they won two and three. Right. Right. And then they they went on the road and, and still had to face them when they were good. So I, I think that's one thing. I'm not – on a scale of one to ten, let me ask you this because you know I've asked this question to a couple other people as well already. Mm-hmm. Scale of one to ten, one being cool as a cucumber, this team's gonna walk with it 
walk with the division, walk into the playoffs with all confidence, to 10 being like, this team is an absolute shit show. They're going to win 75 games. Fuck all this. Where are you at on that? I'd say three. Three. Because that one concern is, even though I don't believe in the Twins, they have a much better farm system and can make a lot of upgrades at the deadline. So maybe that concern is there, and they just kill it at the deadline. But other than that, I still see this team winning the division. Even with their struggles, they're still staying within five games, which is what they need to do. If the injuries keep getting worse, then, then that changes, obviously. But right now, it's just like how they're playing. Like they're playing like absolute crap, but still take two or three from a good Tampa team. And they face this Dodger series is going to be a good like measuring stick because they get to avoid Walker Bueller and Julio Urias. So they get to face Mitch White, Tony Gonsolin, who's been really good. Tony's been great. And then Tyler Anderson. You you should win the games where you're starting against who the fuck is Mitch White. Right. Yeah, I have no idea who Mitch White is. I actually wanted the White Sox to go after Tyler Anderson in the offseason, but, you know, Rick, Rick Hahn doing Rick Hahn things. Um, I didn't want Anderson just because he was a Vegas guy, and we would have never heard the end of it from Oh, first. no, that's right. I almost <laughs> forgot about that. Fucking. Oh, our guy Kevin Fids would have been all over that. You already know. Maybe I would have gotten an extra guest on the podcast, though. Who knows? Um, has he ever been on? Who fits? Yeah. Uh no, no. Nice. Yeah, Zoe would come on before fits. Let's be real. Um, so you should just like spite them both. Have Aldo on the pod. Oh, <laughs> cross down. Next year's crosstown. Have Aldo on. Oh shit. Um, you know I gotta ask you. You know Alex. You know I'm a big Moncada guy. Moncada mm-hmm. is my dude. But seeing him. Obviously, get injured, then come back really hot for a couple games, and then all of a sudden fall off a cliff. What are your thoughts on where Yohan Mankata's at? Are we worried about him? Is he just still injured? I think he's just still injured, and that's kind of worrying that they're just letting him play through it or brought him back without, one, a rehab assignment, and two, one that he didn't, wasn't like 100%. Like, these last 50 plate appearances, if you look at his numbers on baseball, Savant is just all the way down from, like, above average to just way below average over his past 50. So it is kind of concerning. And his expected numbers aren't even that much better than what he's actually doing. So it's like, is he he healthy? Like, you got to ask that, like. How can your training staff give the okay when he's clearly struggling going through all this on the field? For sure. For sure. And I don't know, is is that a knock to the training staff? Is that a knock to the front office? Like I think it's both. Like if you have a guy that's clearly hurting, like uh one, how are your how are you able to clear him? And two, like when do you step in as a front office and be like, hey, we need to put him on the IL? Like, because it just doesn't feel like he's 100% because, like, this guy was has been good, like, his entire career, except, like, 2018 when he was going through struggles as a rookie. So, like, even, like, his speed numbers and his defense, like, well, his defense is pretty good. But even, like, his speed numbers are down compared to where he was. So, you obviously can see he's not running at full strength. For sure. For sure. 
Yeah, and I think it's it's this press, you know, and obviously when your team is not producing the way they should, right? They're underperforming mm-hmm. from where, you know, us fans and where experts thought the White Sox would be at this point in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I get why the front office would press, but you've got, as we said before, there is a, there's a long stretch of games uh, ahead of us, right, where especially after the All-Star break, the White Sox need to go on a tear and yeah. take advantage of bad opponents, right? So make sure that your players are 100% healthy yeah, like, and ready to go. This thing with the White Sox this year, like Yohan was the latest example, where they'll sit him like five straight games instead of putting them on the IL. Like, what's the difference in those extra three or four games instead of wasting the roster spot on someone that can't go? Like, it happened with Vaughn after his hand. They waited like a week to put him on the IL. It happened with Robert at the beginning of the year. Like, it's just, like, confusing. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of mind-blowing in a sense. Like, there's, there seems to be no method to the madness in a sense, exactly. right? Exactly. So, well, Alex, you know, I first and foremost, obviously, appreciate you coming on the podcast and asking all these baseball mm-hmm. questions, answering all these baseball questions for yeah. me because you are a far greater baseball mind than I will ever be, especially when it comes to you the stats. Right it, it you, can, you can admit it. It's all good. Um, but I got to ask you some, some off-the-cuff questions uh, in regard to kind of not baseball the game related, but related to baseball, yeah. if that's okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's so, go. All right. So first and foremost, I need you – I need your thoughts on the removal of the goose from right field and the beer sponsorship changing to um, – uh, what is it? Coors, Miller, Coors, Miller, Coors, Molson, Coors, Molson, Coors. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Give me all your thoughts. I love it. We need to replace the goose with a Brian Knight statue, and then all the vibes will be fixed. So it's not even just that we're missing the goose; we're just missing some sort of statue there. And you're saying Brian Knights, especially yes. as the the 108 tourney winner, uh, should yes. be in right field. Yes, put in the Brian Knights Memorial 2022-108 tourney victory statue, and we're that's all good. But I love it. I I'm, I mean, I'm not really like that big of a beer snob. So just like when it first happened, it was just an easy way for me and Carrie to give the shit to Luke. So. <laughs> that is true. Bruhan Luke is probably the most upset about the the uh the update yeah like way. none of the craft cave options changed nothing really like now i can just get miller lighting cords at the ballpark again which is sorry the matt crawford and yaw dog but like i take miller over bud any day of the week no nope, even the I, I Corona, that deal is separate so they'll be the, they're still there for sure no i 100 percent agree with you um miller and cores way above um <laughs> Bud Light. And then our guy Joel here, who's been a, a co uh, well, he's been a, what was I going to say, co host? No, he's been a guest on the podcast a couple times. It's refreshing not to hear Tommy's voice right now. So, Alex, <laughs> you should definitely take that as a compliment. Thank you, Joel. Um, well, he, is it Miller Light then or Coors Light, Alex, if you're choosing? Uh, I'll leave Miller, but I won't say no to a Coors. They're like right there with for me. Fair like enough. Miller, Coors, big drop off, but. Okay. Yes, absolutely. What are your what are your beers between Coors Light and Bud Light that you're willing to drink? 
just of the domestics? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, like you go to the store and it's still under a dollar a beer. Hmm. Is there much else there in the domestics besides those three? You taking Bush Light or you taking Bud Light? Oh, Bud. Oh, oh. Bush, Nettie, and Keystone are their own separate, like, cheap college beer category. Okay. Is Hams underneath that cheap college beer category, too? I, I, I think so. I throw Hams in there, even though all I right. champagne drink Hams. Exactly. Um, all right. So, drink of choice at a bar. If you're going to go to a bar, you're going to order yourself a drink or two. What is your drink of choice? Hmm. I'd probably say uh, whiskey Coke. If I'm feeling like kind of fancy or like just bougie, I'll do a gin and tonic, but usually that's about it. Do you have a whiskey or gin of choice? Uh, Gin of choice is London's and then whiskey of choice. I really don't care. It depends. Like if I'm with a partner, we're going to go with like Crown Royal because they're just putting that on the company card. But other than that, just give you the well whiskey. Very nice. Very nice. Ballpark food of choice. Rank your top three. Oh, at Sox Park, the Cuban has become my number one by far. Okay. The Cuban sandwich is so good. And then number two, I'll probably just do the classic hot dog. And then three is new this year, the pretzel that brought. That was fantastic when I had that. Was it really that good? Because it looks like so much bread. I, I liked it. I All right. liked it. All right, it might be worth a shot then, because I've been I've been worried about how much bread it is and inconsistency to the brat. But if you say so, I'll take yeah. your word for it. Now I've heard the Cuban has dropped off in quality. Can you confirm that's not true? I never really had Cubans before this year, so I wouldn't have a baseline to work with. <laughs> Fair enough. It's still really good then. Yeah. All right. All right. Good stuff. On your dog. Now, at the ballpark, you can give me what you get on the ballpark and then what you get at, like, a hot dog shack. What what, what goes on your hot dog? Um, at the ballpark, just probably just, like, uh, mustard. Just keep it simple. Don't want to get too messy. And then regular hot dog. Classic Chicago dog. Just I'm not a big sport pepper guy. Okay. Okay. What is it about the sport peppers? Is it just, like, the little, like, kind of the flavor of it? Is it not the spice. It's, yeah, it's definitely the flavor. It's just, like... That and jalapenos are like the only peppers I don't really like. Fair, fair. It does have a unique flavor. I, I will. It's the it's the pickling of it. I think yeah. that's it. Probably yeah. Especially since you mentioned jalapenos. All right. Top three baseball movies. Go for it. Hmm. I'll do Major League, Field of Dreams, at the Angels in the Outfield. Wow. Okay. So the the. I, I agree with your major league. Why feel the dreams, man? Like, is it is it this nostalgia factor of it? Is it what what about feel the dreams? Yeah, it's definitely the nostalgia factor of it. It's just like I can throw it on and not get like too like bored about it. Just I enjoy watching it. I understand. I understand. Angels in the outfield is a sleeper, so I really do. <laughs> I I like that. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. That's gonna be me this year. You know, with the flapping of the wings later in the season when we're, I don't know, still a game and a half back of Minnesota with a week of baseball to play or something. You say that's not going to happen, though. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, A.J. Pierzynski said we're going to win the division by 20 games, though. So 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Love that confidence. I really do too. I really do. I need that. I need that. All right. So if you were a major league pitcher or a major league hitter, what would be your coming out song? Oh, Rude Boy by Rihanna. I just had oh. a last name. That, the, I got to go with that by, with my last name. That's good. That's really funny. I like that a lot. Wow. Oh, that's classic. Wow. Kudos. Have you given that thought before? Yeah, I actually did because Buzz asked it like last year. I was like, oh, it definitely got to go with something off the last name. When you have a last name like mine, you definitely got to do a play off it. So Rude Boy by Rihanna, an easy choice. That's absolutely fucking classic. I love that. How many of the major league ballparks have you been to in your life, and which one is your favorite? I think nine or nine, and Bush Stadium. I just really love the ballpark village aspect. Just being sure. able. To- Did you go to Old Bush or New Bush? New Bush. It was last year. Okay. Okay. I'll have to make my way out there. I. Uh, yeah, I have not, I've driven by it. I've actually seen a game. Well, not a game. I've seen part of a game from the Arch before yeah. um even when on. it's not like a cardinal season ballpark village is a lot of fun like i was down there for bragging rights game the illinois versus mizzou game this year it was just a lot of fun just seeing like just going out and running in the people from college but i guess do nothing you of i can't really go bragging rights and know everybody there fair fair yeah small college problems here division three you know <laughs> Bragging rights for athletics, uh, non, not really existent, even though those North Park Wheaton games got a little brutal in the in the student section. I will say that. It, it was funny. I'll say that. I, <laughs> our our chants were, were, were pretty Let's clear. Let's hear uh, So, you know, same old Wheaton, always cheating. Um, we go to chapel because we want to. It was, oh, uh, was yeah. Oh, we uh there's there was some that, chance that, that we can't that just that's just like an auto win for Wheaton there. Like ha, ah, we love Jesus more than you. Well, I mean that's kind of the joke when it's two private Christian colleges going up against each other. Love Jesus by choice. At least it's by choice. That probably doesn't make it any better for you, does it? No. No, it's just I'm just gonna roast you for it later. <laughs> um, we used to like. I hope like, Willie is still in the comments. Like, if he heard that, you would never hear the end of that for me. Oh, he, I mean, come on, he already knows. Um, shoot, what were the the biggest thing with with North Park and Wheaton though is it was especially I think it was my senior year when it happened. They had the professor that wore. Wheaton had a professor that wore a hijab to class and they fired her. Um, so we berated like their soccer. Of course their soccer players have nothing to do with it, but we just like went off during that game about that. Um, it was not pretty. I know the athletic director actually had to come up and like tell us to calm down, which was hilarious. Oh, shit. All right. Final question, Alex. And this is non-baseball related at all. How are the Illini going to do next year with uh, their current roster they're, construction and Kofi not oh, making their, the Their move? roster construction is actually a lot better this year. I okay. love Kofi the death. Like, he was great. He was the reason, like, why they did so well. But 
the team was pretty easy to scout and like it wasn't that much of a modern basketball like lineup where you got one lead guard, three wings, and then a big man. This year they'll be able to do that with the additions of Matt Meyer, Terrence Shannon. So next year you run out a lineup of Sky Clark, RJ, Terrence Shannon, Matt Meyer, and Danger. That's a lot better for making a deeper NCAA tournament run than what they had last year because their lineup went from like 6'1", 6'1", 6'3", 6'7", 7'0", to 6'3", 6'7", 6'7", 6'9", 6'10". So okay. you, you no longer get defeated by size and athleticism so easily as like they did this year. Like against Houston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly And right. Ohio State the past two years constantly. Yeah, also true. Also true as a I'm not a diehard Illini basketball follower like mm-hmm. you, but I do enjoy uh turning on the occasional Illini game and rooting for yes, the sir. orange and blue. So well, Alex, uh, before we wrap all of this up, obviously I asked you how you feel about the Illini going into next year, but how do you feel about the White Sox? Give me your prediction for the end of the year, you know, for, for the rest of the year going into uh, postseason. What, what, do, what do you think they're going to do? I think they're going to win the division, and they'll probably end up with the number three uh, division. So they'll win a series because they have a three-game series at home in October. So they'll win that, and from there, we'll see. From so there, the we'll see. Form, from the new playoff format gives them their first series win just because they'll be facing, a, like, a shitty wildcard team that's barely over 500. So baby steps. And from there, it just depends on the matchup and how they're playing. Yeah, for like, sure. Just a dice roll. Who would that shitty wildcard team be? It could be who? Like, Minnesota? Tampa Bay, it maybe could be the like Angels, the yeah. second team in the. I they they get to choose, right? I'm pretty sure they get to choose, so they get to choose wow. which of the three wild cards they want. I didn't realize they got a choice. I thought it was just like the lowest ranked. I'm, I'm pretty sure in the new playoff format, they it's a choose system. So <laughs> that may have been like the 14 team, but I'm pretty sure they keep it in the 12. But I'll have to check that. But regardless, you're gonna face like a shitty like barely above 500 or below 500 team in the playoffs. So you get your first series win there. And maybe the confidence of winning one series propels them to go deeper this year. Right. Right. I like that. I like that thought process. I, uh, fingers crossed, knock on wood that they're going to pull it out. So Alex, final thoughts as we wrap this thing up. Um, go white Sox and ILL. I and I, all right. Thank you, Alex, for joining me. Also, uh, fuck you, Jordan, for not joining the comments. Yeah, seriously. Hey, fucking friend. Jordan, leaving us out to hang here. Come on now. I was really hoping that we would get some Jordan Miller comments and that we would be able to to berate him on that. Do you know what? I totally forgot. I, I know we're going to go over an hour at this point, you know, since this is a conversation starter right here. Steve Stone's mistress. What's going on there? <laughs> So shout out to our friend Mansu Lee. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we want to expose this. <laughs> we might get like sued, but if you have any questions about it, man, our friend Mansu Lee at Palehost05 on Twitter, he can explain everything to you. Steve Stone may or may not have a mistress. Um, it's uh, it's still under further investigation. Maybe the White Sox Twitter Bureau of Investigations can do a deeper look at this one. Yes, we should send them at it. Get Absolutely. At it, 
Yes. Shout out to uh, to whoever Alex just referenced. Um, shout out to uh, Prof and shout out to Sammy Davis Jr. who uh, will be leading the investigation on that, hopefully. Well, thank you so much for those of you that tuned in live. Uh, thank you uh, to Alex. I really appreciate you joining me on a Hot Take Tommy off week. And uh, for those of you that are uh, listening at home later on, Thanks for tuning in, and you'll hear from me and Tommy next week. Have a good one, everybody. Hi, everybody.